Welcome to Jay's Talk on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Show Ali and Ben Nicholson-Smith watching the ground crew clean up a 2-1 win here at Rogers Center. You can give us a call, 416-870-0590, star 590 on your cellular, or you can text us at 590-590, weigh in on this 2-1 Blue Jays win. And uh, Ben, before we get to any... Um, any of the stuff on the diamond tonight. I just wanted to say uh, congratulations. You got your first uh, color analyst uh, night in Stinton here on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Well, it was a blast. It was a lot of fun. So thanks to Ben for for hosting and and allowing me to to join in here. We had a great game to watch. I mean, just results aside, it was really compelling. I think that there were a lot of decisions to watch, a lot of close plays. That's exactly what you want. So really enjoyed it and uh, looking forward to talking to everyone. So definitely give us your calls and send in your, your tweets and we'll, we'll talk some more Jays here. I see some uh, calls being lined up already, so we'll get to the phone lines in just a sec. But first, I do want to start with uh, with the batting because, of course, I feel like, Ben, over the course of the – really, I was going to say the last couple of weeks, but really the entire season to date, I feel like the story of the Blue Jays, even when they win, has been, well, what's happened to this offense that hit the most home runs in Major League Baseball a, a year ago and did so many things offensively. And I mean, there was a point I think you mentioned to Ben during the broadcast where the Blue Jays had three straight hits and you th- kind of laughed and you said, oh boy, how many, who would have thought three straight hits would have been a rarity at this point in the season, right? I mean, it's May 20th and it, you don't see that super often. I don't want to be a downer when the Blue Jays win by any means because it was was an impressive win. Jordan Romano looked great. Hyunjin Ryu looked pretty good as well. And I want to get to Ryu definitely at some point here. But I just, I guess it, it feels kind of strange to say that when you see a fly ball head towards the outfield wall or a particularly hard hit ball gets past Matt Chapman or Bo Bichette. And I mean, Ryu gave up, what, six hits today? And I think five of them were doubles and a lot of hard contact there. I just you you, you kind of just feel a little uneasy when you see two runs for the Blue Jays. I I do hope it turns around. It's a great win tonight, but I do hope it turns around soon. For sure, they have to score more runs than this. I yeah. mean, it's not a sustainable way to win. They are built to outscore other teams, and on opening day, it seemed as though they were going to get off to that kind of a start. Of course, coming back against the Texas Rangers, scoring ten runs, and it's been so rare since then that they have gotten to that level of offense. So I think they'll do it. They clearly have a lineup that is the envy of a lot of teams in Major League Baseball. You look at the Reds lineup, Taylor Motter, TJ Friedel, Matt Reynolds. I mean, these are not Teoscar Hernandez and Bo Bichette no, and Vlad no. Jr. They do not have those track records. They do not have those exit velos and the bat speed. All these things that the Jays hitters have. So you have to think that better things are ahead. In the meantime, their pitching really stepped up today and allowed them to win. There was no Jonathan India, of course. He's still on the IL. Who was the other uh, big-time Reds batter who's still on the injured list, I believe? Someone else who – I'm blanking on the name, but there is someone else who is – right, Menzel, right. There you go. So Nick Senzel as yeah, well. Senzel, so, yes, so. absolutely. Votto just coming back today with his first game off. They've yeah, missed yeah. a lot of pieces. Yeah, I think that – the pitching matchup tomorrow, I am very much looking forward to. I mean, you heard Ben say it. Manoa, Hunter Green, that's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Two very young, exciting arms. But I am interested to see if there's any change in any approach at the plate. It, it is funny to think that Bo Bichette, I know he had the RBI double, which ended up being the game-winning run. But at the same point, uh, I, I also kind of think to myself, when it comes to Bo Bichette, I mean, he had some pretty good 
pretty good swings today that ended up into the gloves of outfielders. They were, it's, it's hard to say it's a good out, but it is encouraging to see the launch angle a little up. You see he's taking better looks. He did swing at some first pitches, of course, today, but I do think that it is encouraging, which, again, sounds strange to say considering he only had the RBI double. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think Bose looked great for... For the last few weeks, really, uh, it's it's an encouraging night for him. Uh, that the double was was key, obviously an RBI there. Had some hard contact. You like to see that. To me, the guy that the Jays need to get on track, and he knows it, and everyone knows it. Yeah. Teoscar Hernandez, and it's uh, it's it's a night where he did not look like his timing was there. Vlad Jr. too. I mean, his hitting streak ended tonight at 15 games. Um, so. I think Teoscar's the one whose timing looks more off than Vladdy right now. Um, but it's a long season. We are less than a quarter of the way through it. They have a yeah. lot of time yeah. to get that on track. We'll have to keep uh, monitoring if uh, Teoscar has, again, still probably working, like you said, working on his timing, back coming back from the oblique injury and getting into the swing of things, uh, literally, I guess, no pen intended, <laughs> when it comes to Teoscar Hernandez. Let's go to the phone lines. Again, 416-870-0590, star 590 on your cellular device. Ian in Toronto, I uh, hear you also have uh, a bit of a bugaboo with the batting order so far. Well, I have, but I mean, first we'll give credit where credit's due. All the pitchers, starters, bullpen, they have done everything you wanted and then some, and that was the end, and that's what caused a lot of losses at the beginning of the year last year, which probably would have made uh, gotten them to the playoffs. And management went out, and they knew they were losing Ray, they knew they were losing Matt, and they went out, they brought in Simber, they brought in Garcia, they brought in Gaussman, they brought in Kikuchi, and, you know, you've got you've got a pitching staff if you go into the playoffs into a seven-game series you're confident you can win with that and yes the hitters they need to figure it out and i'm not at this point i'm not no longer throwing the hitters under the bus uh and this is the first time i've done this since it, since it's changed over but i think this is a management issue at this point i think management needs to do something step in whether it's a change in the batting coach whether it's getting Dante Bichette back up here, whether it's, I'm really sorry, Bradley Zimmer, yeah, fine, he had two hits today, great. Uh, no offense, he shouldn't even be on the roster. Uh, you have Logan Warmoth and Nathan Lukes in AAA who, are, who have 400 on-base clips right now. I'd rather give a kid a chance to fail at the majors rather than give a guy who isn't doing anything right now. Absolutely. I absolutely agree, 100%. Uh, thank you. I appreciate the call, Ian, and have a have a fantastic long weekend as well. Uh, I, you know, on Ben, on, on Ian's point, when it comes to Zimmer, I mean, it's funny, when he, when he hit the, when he got the two hits today and he stretched a couple of those into doubles with his Honestly, world-class speed. That guy that guy looks like he could be running track for the Olympics somewhere, right? He is very speedy. But you don't see the bat tool, you know, in the toolbox. Yeah, it's not the sharpest of his many tools, right? He has a great fielding uh, tool, and again, the speed is world-class. But, I mean, I he had two hits that I had, and all I could think of was, you know those jokes where people say, you know, a Bradley Zimmer hit in this economy. It's kind of, it just kind of felt like that because you don't see, you just don't see that very often. And I do agree with Ian that, generally speaking, I'm not sure if that again tonight is great. Two hits is fantastic. I'm not sure how 
uh, consistent that's going to be over the next little while. And if that's the case, then maybe there is an argument. I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I mean, I haven't watched too much of Logan Wormuth recently, but at the same time, it's it's hard to get production consistently from your bottom of your lineup, but I'm just not sure Bradley Zimmer is the long-term answer. Well, right. He had a great game tonight. Let's give him credit for the two hits, and, <laughs> and I appreciate the call, Ian. I think uh, some points, very good points were made there. Um, so, yeah, Zimmer, you're not expecting this from him, and this is where if he actually does step up and give you those two hits, you're, you're thrilled with that if you're the Blue Jays. Now, long-term, even medium-term, the role on this team for Bradley Zimmer is to be a defensive replacement, really, late in games. And you can't be expecting a ton of offense from him. If you do get it on a day that he happens to start, it's a bonus. But this is where Teoscar coming back is big because right. there was a time there that Zimmer was playing too much and he was getting exposed. I see a, a couple of texts here as well on the text line. You can also text us at 590-590 and leave your name and location if you do. Um, I see Ray and Aurora. Ray texted this during the game, and then he texted again just now. Um, Zimmer time, OMG, wow. <laughs> I see Ray also texting in again, wow, I didn't get his time to recognize how good the Jays hitting coach is when Zimmer is the best hitter in tonight's game. Uh, that's actually pretty funny, Ray. But, uh, again, it, it's just, it just goes to show that I think the expectations for this team on the offensive side of things has uh, was a lot higher than whatever whatever it is right now. And, again, you can't you – can't, I don't know, you can't crap on them too much when they win, but at the same time, when they, when it does look a little out of sorts and when you're getting production out of the bottom of your order, like, you know, so, someone else who had, I thought, a bunch of very, very good at-bats tonight was Raymond Tapia, because Tapia, he certainly had that, uh, that at-bat when he sent the ball deep to, I guess it was center, left center field, and it advanced the runners second and third. The Jays didn't cash in, it's true, and they, again, the, the struggles with runners in scoring position have uh, been well documented, and we can continue talking about that certainly tonight. But Tapia, he had that. He beat out the Luis Castillo throw to first base when Castillo kind of. It was a tough play for Castillo to, to give uh, to give him credit, right? I mean, he kind of had to do a 360 on the mound. He caught the ball. It looked like as he was preparing to throw to first, it started to come off the fingertips. We so kind of double clutched it a little bit, and then of course he beats out uh, another another throw to first in the I believe it was the sixth inning. He did another great at bat, working the count a little bit again against Castillo before he before he departed the game. So again, I think you you take you take the the positives from a Zimmer two hit night and things like that from Tapia as much as you humanly possibly can. But again, it's the big boys and the big bats that need to come through sooner rather than later. For sure, for sure. And I think, you know, I'm sensing a bit of a theme here with some of these questions. And right. understandably, like, I, I think it's totally fair to look at this Blue Jays offense, look at the expectations that they had entering the year, look at the names in this in this lineup, and the production is below average. Not just, you know, considering the, the offensive environment in baseball right now, but they have a 96 WRC+. plus That is below average right. in the context of Major League Baseball. So that's not good. That's a problem for this team. They are built to score runs, and they are not scoring runs at the same time. Again, we are a quarter of the way through the season right now, less than. And to pin this on Guillermo Martinez, in my opinion, he was also the hitting coach last year when they were the best offense in right, baseball. Right. So, you know, Guillermo Martinez is the same guy. If anything, he's more experienced now. And that's not to say the results are there. That's not to say that he should be, you know, sitting back with his feet up and just, you know, saying saying everything's good. But that's not what the Blue Jays are doing. They they need to, to work with what they have. 
And to me, the, the issue here isn't Guillermo Martinez. It's the individual hitters on this team yeah. and the reality that you're facing very good pitching. You know, it brings, brings up a good point, and Ian had mentioned this actually in his phone call a couple minutes ago when he brought up the name Dante Bichette, right? And Dante, uh, of course, the father of Bo Bichette, former Major League ball player, and I mean, Dante comes on the fan and the Sportsnet Radio Network. I dare I say a lot. I mean, he comes on with Blair and Barker, and they have he has some really interesting callers. Uh, pardon me, some interesting comments um, for Blair and Barker about what he sees from Bo, what he sees from the rest of the hitting lineup. Why do you think? Dante, like people seem to gravitate so much towards, oh man, there's a problem with the hitting. Let's bring back Dante Bichette. I know, because I remember when the lockout happened, he resigned from his position with the Blue Jays. And I, I think a lot of people kind of speculated that was because so he could just like see his son, who was a, a major league ball player. So <laughs> I get it. It makes sense, right? But I, I just, I, I hear that a lot. You see that a lot on the text line when we're doing the various shows during the week or on the weekends and stuff. A lot of questions about why don't the Blue Jays bring back Dante Bichette. I would guess that it's because, as you say, Dante Bichette is someone that people know. They know that he was a very good major league hitter. They've heard his voice on our radio station. They've seen his hitting videos, maybe on Twitter. Right. And they know his son. So Dante Bichette is a known commodity in a way that Guillermo Martinez, who's, you know, you and I know him, but he's not necessarily known to, to every fan in the same way. And so the work that these pitching coaches and hitting coaches, Hunter Mentz as well, they put in a ton of work behind the scenes. And we don't even see it. I mean, a lot of it is, is behind closed doors here at Rogers Center. A lot of it is out here for early BP. They're working with these guys. And it's extremely tough to hit major league pitching. Um, they need to get better results. There's no question about that. At the same time, to me, the accountability lies most with the hitters themselves. And then, of course, you need to see results from the hitting coaches. Uh, but but I, I don't see that as the root of the problem here. You know, it's funny when you ever you talk about coaches, too, because dare I say the coach who gets the most credit out of any coach in the Blue Jays organization, it's not Charlie Montoyo, it's not Guillermo Martinez, it's Pete Walker, right? Pete Walker is, like, Pete Walker has gained, I think deservedly so, I'm not taking anything away from him, Pete Walker has gained the reputation of being, like, the, the pitching whisperer, right? And he goes out there and he turns Steven Matz into what we saw last year. He goes out and turns Robbie Ray over, you know, what, a season and a bit, into the Cy Young winner in the American League. And, you know, Robbie Ray is out in Seattle right now, and he's not having the same kind of year he had last season. And maybe you can attribute the ballpark change a little bit to that, his teammates a little bit to that. Maybe there's some slippage, generally speaking, right? But uh, Pete Walker definitely getting the, the lion's share of the credit from, uh, from Blue Jays, the Blue Jays coaching ranks, let's say. Uh, let's go back to the phone lines. 416-870-0590, 590 star 590 on your cell. Brendan in Winnipeg, you want to weigh in on Zimmer's production and maybe uh, maybe speculate on some lefty bats, I hear. Yeah, uh, like we're you're looking at Tapia and Zimmer and seeing what they did do today, and that's kind of the offensive production that we're missing consistently. Maybe not singles, but necessarily that Tapia had but you're looking for some some lefty thump right so I mean these guys are are nice speedy players but they're not they haven't been able to go out there and do it every single day so you know I mean maybe a guy like looking at the Cincinnati Reds lineup Tyler Naquin for example might be a guy that you look at in trades or even going to the Orioles looking at uh a Cedric Mullins, something like that. You know, a guy that when you give um, 
uh, a George Springer a day off. He can still cover center field, but is, uh, you know, can give you a little bit more offensive production than Bradley Zimmer does on a consistent basis. Well, Brendan, you probably heard the previous caller, uh, Ian in Toronto, and Ian had mentioned the you know maybe giving some of the kids a chance, and I think he named someone like Logan Warmoth and some other guys down there. If you had the chance to go out there and make a quick change of the people in the Blue Jays organization right now, I would love to see Cedric Mullins in a Blue Jays uniform, absolutely. But let's just say that's not possible. Who would you who would you send down Zimmer for? There's not, there's not really another, another outfielder option. I mean, like you're looking at somebody who can really play center field at an above average level, and I mean, in the Blue Jays organization, you don't really have that kind of profile down there that yeah. offers uh, the the offensive profile that you need at the plate as well. Like you'll be putting a guy out of position out there, and then you're you're worsening your defense when defensive is such a key aspect in this game right now i mean the blue jays defense is probably part of the, one of the big reasons why they've been winning so many games it's true no i you're absolutely right appreciate the call brendan and have a great long weekend as well i uh, you know you look at the defense and that that dare i say is the story of tonight's game like we can definitely look at hyunjin ryu and you can look at the performance of maybe adam simber and the way he bounced back after getting a tough ball call on what was clearly a strike three ban against tyler stevenson to end i guess it was the top of the seventh inning and then of course jimmy garcia had a, a great inning as well and of course romano too to end things a perfect inning of work in the top of the ninth inning from Jordan Romano, but I just, you look at the way, it's funny, uh, both Brendan and Ian, you look down at the the minors and all of the, all of the top prospects that could at, maybe at some point this season, probably not in the next couple of weeks, but maybe let's say after the All-Star break, we're having this conversation about some of the top prospects. The top prospects of the Blue Jays are Gabriel Moreno and Elvis Martinez and even Jordan Groshans, who I don't believe is a lefty bat, right? I mean, he's not an outfielder either, but I, I just mean all of the Blue Jays' top prospects, pretty much to a man from the in the top 10 who's not a pitcher, are righty bats essentially? I, I, you just that you just don't develop that many lefty bats from the minors who really can come up right away and contribute. Basically, yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, certainly their uh, bigger prospects are right-handed hitters. So I like the trade talk, Brandon. I, I it's fun to it look fun. around this time <laughs> of year. I mean, we spend I think uh, you know all of us probably this week had our eyebrows raised at the Juan Soto trade rumors, which we're not going to get into necessarily right <laughs> here. But you know, Cedric Mullins, he's four years away from free agency. So even the Orioles, even a tank team like the Baltimore Orioles that is not trying to win, are probably going to hold on to Cedric Mullins. Tyler Naquin, I like that idea. I mean, he's someone who gives you a pretty good at-bat. He's got some power. Uh, you know the Blue Jays are going to be thorough as they are looking around the league at options um, for, for their bench. It seems to be a need for uh, a left-handed bat if they can get one this summer. They've certainly been looking around in the past and were active in that market before the season. So they'll, they'll be searching for a lot of different options, see what the price is, see what the the scouting reports are on those players and try to narrow that list down uh, in the course of the next couple months. You know, one guy last year, Ben, who I really, I tried to speak it into existence as much as humanly possible. Uh, and the Blue Jays ended up trading for Jose Barrios last year, so I'm not certainly not complaining. But uh, was Luis Castillo, actually. I was, I was really hoping <laughs> the Blue Jays would go out and pony up to the Reds and, and get uh, Castillo. And, uh, you know, 
they got Jose Brio. So, I'm not, again, not complaining. But uh, Castillo looked uh, pretty good in what you said. I believe it was his third start back from the injured list. So, hey, I mean, I don't think he's in trade conversations this year for the Reds because they clearly are going to try and, and rebuild with the pieces they have right now. And I think they have a pretty good core when you when you add in guys like Senzel and, and India, who obviously didn't play. But... Uh, I don't know. I just It's funny to think about trade candidates. I mean, Mullins is, is a particularly fun one. Mitch Hanniger, I know we just we didn't see him in the Seattle series, but I, I know he plays right field, and boy, that would be someone I, I wouldn't mind seeing in a Blue Jays uniform, but I don't know how much it would cost to go out and get someone like, um, I mean, certainly Mullins would be more expensive, but even someone like Mitch Hanniger, for example. Yeah, I mean, the prices will be high. I think Castillo's interesting. The Jays like Castillo this offseason. They checked on him then. They checked with the Reds pitching as Cincinnati was going through this kind of teardown of, of sorts. So now Castillo, I thought he looked pretty good and honestly better than I expected right. uh, in just his third start back after missing all of spring training. Castillo did look good. So we'll see, you know, as the summer progresses here, is he someone who ends up being on that trade market? Now, the way Ryu pitched today, you start looking at this Blue Jays rotation, though, and one through five, like, it's starting to look pretty good, right? I mean, you've got Kikuchi really rounding into form. Gosman and Manoa are pitching like aces. And to have Barrios and Ryu and Kikuchi, that's a really nice one through five. It is. Absolutely it is. And, I, again, I'm very much looking forward to watching Manoa pitch tomorrow. Uh, the final line on Castillo, six innings pitched, two earned runs, no walks, and five Ks. And is the first time he is not allowed to walk in his past 33 starts. So I guess something to build on for the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, I, let's take a break. When we come back, we'll get to Hyunjin Ryu because I do want to talk a little bit about Ryu's pitch count. It was a season high for Hyunjin Ryu. And I'm seeing, I, I see a lot of... Should Ryu have stayed in the game today? And maybe he could have, but I do want to have that conversation with you, Ben. When we come back, we'll get back to the phone lines as well. 416-870-0590. star 590 on your cellular device. You can also text us at 590-590. Name and location, please. But you're listening to JSTOP. I'm Show. That's Ben Nicholson-Smith. We'll be right back on the Sportsnet Radio Network. One bounding ball towards the middle, past the dive of Reynolds into center field, and the Blue Jays take the lead. RBI single from George Springer. Blue Jays a one nothing lead here in the fifth. George Springer opening the scoring tonight here at Rogers Center. One of two runs for the Toronto Blue Jays offense in a 2-1 win over the visiting Cincinnati Reds in the first of three this long weekend in the city of Toronto. Show Alley and Ben Nicholson-Smith here with you for Jay's Talk. we got about 15 more minutes here, Ben. And uh, we will get back to the phone lines very briefly. Again, 416-870-0590, uh, 1-888-666-0590, star 590 on the cell. Of course, you can text us as well at 590-590. I see a lot of texts on the text line, so we will get to those. Uh, but first, the Bet365 standings update with Bet365. You can bet on things like pr player props, totals, or the money line across many different sports. 19-plus play responsibly, Ontario only. I, uh, I did bet on the Blue Jays tonight, I will admit, Ben. I bet on the Blue Jays to win by more than one and a half runs, and they won by one. So wow. <laughs> better, luck next, better luck next time to me. Get them tomorrow, I guess. <laughs> I guess so. Uh, if we look at the AL East here, the Yankees were off today. I think their game got postponed, I think, actually, against the yep. White Sox. So it was 28-10 uh, to 10 is they, where they stand right now in the AL East. The Rays won. They did, or they're about to win, it certainly seems like, over the Orioles. 5-3 to three is the current score. 
in uh, in at Camden Yards. The Rays at 23 and 15. Toronto after winning is 21 and 18. The Red Sox won tonight, 17 and 22. And the Orioles, the other half of that Rays Orioles game, 15 and 24. Uh, real quick, Trevor Story hit a grand slam today. I guess it was. It's now his. Let me think here. His fourth home run and eleventh RBI since the beginning of yesterday's ball game. That is truly wild. He had been really struggling though. Oh, he had been off to a yeah. very tough start with the Red Sox and seemingly getting some uh, how to put this uh, pushback from the Boston Red Sox fans. Uh, but they've they've certainly had a lot to cheer about in the last couple of days, and it goes to show, I mean, for these Blue Jays hitters who are struggling, sometimes these things can turn around pretty quickly. It's true, yeah, and hey, look, it was, like, you you could not have found a bigger public enemy number one, it felt like at times, in Boston. I mean, a lot of things were going wrong in Boston, and again, the, the Red Sox still not great, but uh, yeah, the seeing Trevor Story get off to, get off the schneid is probably, uh, you know, maybe a, something you can think of when you think of the Blue Jays hitters who are probably most of them being as good, if not better, than Trevor Story. Um, I mean, I remember when the Blue Jays had gone to Minute Maid Park, and in that series, I guess it was about a month ago, uh, in that series, Kyle Tucker had been really, really struggling. Like, he was scuffling bad. And he came off and got some timely hits as well. And, you can, and I remember Blair and Barker were talking about this, about how, well, if Kyle Tucker can do it, then, I mean, Bo Bichette and Vladdy Jr. and Teoscar can do it too. So, like you say, it's probably just a matter of time. Well, and you got to think about it from the perspective of the other teams sometimes too. Like, Hunter Green and Connor Overton the next pitchers to face the Blue Jays. Like, I don't think they're necessarily sleeping restfully right. as they prepare to face Vlad and Bo and George Springer. I mean, it's it's not an easy lineup to face. And, of course, for those of us who watch the Blue Jays more than every other team, we're locked in, pitch to pitch. There's there's a lot of fun in that. But at the same time, you, you sometimes benefit from zo- zooming out and seeing what these have these guys, these hitters have done over the course of years, and really they are excellent, excellent hitters. And so for someone like Teoscar, he does have to find the timing, but for someone like Vladdy or Springer or Bo, you, you just have to think that there are better results around the corner. Let's go back to the phone lines. I see Chris in Stony Creek. Chris, thank you for holding runners in scoring position and not a lot of walks taken by the batters, what you want to talk about tonight. Yeah, like obviously you look at them statistically. I don't know where they are now, but I mean, a week ago they were in last place with runners in scoring position. Um, obviously, the pitching is coming as advertised right now, which is which is great for the Jays. I just find, and I mean, there's so many different things we can talk about, so I'll just talk about this one point particularly. But when I was watching the game today, I was noticing, and the last couple of games, they don't get themselves into hitters' counts a lot. And then I thought, you know, they also don't take a lot of walks either. So I looked up the statistics. The Jays so far this year have taken 104 walks divided by the 38 games. is just roughly over two and a half walks per game. You know, difficult in Major League Baseball to, to string two, three, four hits together to try to get runs. And obviously you're not going to go to the plate trying to get a walk, but walks come from quality at bats and trying to get the pitchers, you know what I mean, to come into the zone not swinging at bad pitches, not getting yourself out. So I think, you know, obviously these guys are too good and this lineup is too good to stay in last place or or below major league average in all of these major statistics. But I just think when you're watching the the first 40 games, um, these are some of the reasons why this is happening to them. Appreciate the call, Chris. And, and I, you know what? I, I wonder if any of that, Ben, has anything to do with a lot of, or 
a lot more strikes that are outside the zones. Or uh, let, uh, let me rephrase: a lot of ball, a lot of pitches outside the zones being called balls and not strikes. And I, I feel like you see a lot more swings and misses. Maybe and this is not just a Blue Jays problem. We just see it and hear it more because you and I and everyone who's watching and listening right now. You like we are watching the Blue Jays more than anyone else, but it's not just a Blue Jays problem across Major League Baseball. I feel like you're seeing that more. And again, baseballs probably travel too fast for the human eyeball to comprehend. But when that is happening routinely, I feel like you're going to see guys like Vladdy and Bo and Teoscar and so on swing at things off the plate because they're not sure if it's going to get called a ball or a strike. There definitely have been examples of that this year. Uh, and I think, you know, Chris raises a really interesting point here because you think of really good slugging offensive teams like the Blue Jays as being teams that will take a walk, especially someone like Vladdy. That's been a hallmark for him in his career. Now, you look at where they stand overall in Major League Baseball by walk percentage, the percentage of at-bats in which they draw a walk. They are entering play tonight 27th out of the 30 teams. Only the Tigers, Red Sox, and White Sox are walking less often. And tonight, they didn't draw a single walk. Right. So, you know, this is this is an element of their offensive game that isn't quite there. And whether that's, you know, that's obviously connected to other aspects of how they're performing at the plate. But it's an interesting kind of marker to look at and notice that they're actually further back than what we would expect. It's true. And again, and maybe that's something that will... Can I use this term, positively regress? Is that a real term? Can I say that? I, I think I know what you mean when you say <laughs> it. There's probably a mathematician out there who can who, who could answer that better for us. I don't know whether you can say that or not, but I, I get what you're saying, Show. All right, I'm going st- to stick with it. But I, I do think there will be some regression to the mean, maybe, uh, upward regression to the mean for the Blue Jays between now. You've said it a couple times tonight. The, the season is still pretty young. But I, you know, I, I'm not saying it's not fair to be concerned because I think there are some concerning trends. But again, at May the 20th, I think you're hoping by the time we get into the summer months, maybe the roof being open at Rogers Center and other venues, outdoor venues, or other roof retractable venues across uh, North America, maybe the ball will carry more. And we've heard a lot about that being discussed with the baseballs this year and so on. Um, before we get to the text line, and we do have a lot of texts I want to get to in this, these last couple of minutes here. Uh, Hyunjin Ryu, we haven't spoken too much about Ryu. Uh, Ryu, six hits, no earned runs, no walks, three strikeouts, and 78 pitches, which was a season high. And I thought he looked pretty good, right? He had a nice change up tonight. Uh, we know that's in his arsenal. He allowed five doubles in those six hits. There was some hard contact, Ben. But I, st- I think generally speaking... It was a promising start that was backed up by some very timely defense. The shift, I think, helped him out a little bit as well because there were some balls that went straight to the glove of Tapia or straight to the glove of Zimmer out there in the outfield. I I know people have been saying today, especially over the course of the ball game, once he came out after the sixth, that after 78 pitches, Charlie and the rest of the high-performance department are not letting their pitchers go out and and work a little deeper into these games, which I get to a degree because I think we're kind of like when we were younger. I think you're you're used to seeing that across Major League Baseball, but I don't know in his second start back from being on the injured list if you really want to push Hyunjin Ryu, especially when you saw some hard contact. Like I, I will freely admit, I was surprised. I guess it was on Wednesday when Gosman didn't come back out after I think it was 85 pitches. I was genuinely surprised because we've seen Gosman touch around 100 pitches a, a bunch of times this season, but and certainly he did that last year with the Giants. But I I don't know if Ryu is the guy you really want to be messing around with with that. 
I think you take what you get, which was six scoreless innings, 78 pitches, and you're really happy with that. And you say, let's do this again next week. Yeah. I mean, that was a really big step forward, a really strong start from Ryu. No walks. He was attacking hitters. You're right. He, he worked his way around those doubles in five consecutive innings there, but he was able to stay in the strike zone and attack hitters. And how about this? No one on the Reds drew a walk. No one on the Blue Jays drew a walk. So we saw a real game of, of attacking the strike zone and uh, and really challenging hitters, which was probably part of the reason it was a compelling game to watch. And if you look to at the performances of the, uh, the the guys out of the bullpen. Baraki is probably the only player tonight who had a shaky outing, right? He hit, I guess it was Mike Moustakis with a pitch. He let up a hit. There was the ground out immediately afterwards, and then he was pulled for, I guess it was uh, Simber. It was for Adam Simber. And Adam Simber came in. He was the recipient of a couple of tough calls, including to end the top of the seventh. He did, uh, you know, it, it was a ball. It was called a ball that was, I think, clearly a strike that would have rung up Tyler Stevenson. And it's a good thing that didn't evolve into something else because I feel like, Ben, we have talked a lot this season about, I don't want to say guys getting squeezed a lot, but, boy, had had Stevenson gotten on base and the inning had continued after that that strike was called the ball, I think, uh, boy, I think we would be getting some more angry calls and texts tonight on J-Stock. Oh, there's little doubt about that. And I think, you know, broadly, you just want to see the players determine the result on the field. Right. You want the players to be the ones who win and lose the game. Not the umpires, not the fans, not the managers. You want the players to do it. And that happened tonight for sure. I think, by and large, this Blue Jays pitching staff was really effective. And the one exception to that, Ryan Barucki wasn't locating a slider, could not find the plate with it, and then he's out after the minimum three batters. But other than that, to see Simber come in, to see Jimmy Garcia come in and get two strikeouts, yeah. and Romano to come back and save the game. And he had a perfect top of the top of the ninth inning. He did not allow a hit, did not allow a walk, no runs. I don't think he had a strikeout either, but at the same time, he was uh, very efficient in his return. And we had seen after long layoffs, Romano have not problems, but look a little rusty perhaps. And after the whole GI tract infection thing, and he looked he looked good, so he looks healthy to me. And I think after a long layoff, I bet if tomorrow is a close game and it's the ninth inning, you can probably expect to uh, see the lights dim at Rogers Center and, and see Romano trot in from the bullpen in left field. Um, let's get to the text line, 590-590, name and location, Sam from Manitoba. And Sam says the Blue Jays need to go out and get another lefty in the pen. If the Tim Mays injury turns out to be a significant amount of time out, it is going to cost the Jays some games. I don't want to see Ryan Barucki and Taylor Sacedo in any type of leverage situation. Jordan Romano might be the only guy I trust to get a tough lefty out right now. And it's true, the bullpen is a little uh, a little short-staffed right now. It was, it was always really good to see someone like Romano come back in and, and shove. But, boy, Ben, yeah, I, I kind of agree with Sam because I don't really know where a lot of reinforcements internally would be coming if they don't go out and get someone else. I think you hope you weather the storm until Mesa comes back, but, I mean, who knows how long that's going to be. It could be a while, because the hope would be that he would resume a throwing program early next week. That can take some time, so we don't know exactly how long it could be. Now, to Sam's point, if they could go out and trade for a good lefty reliever, I mean, awesome. Do it. That's uh, no argument here. That would be a tremendous upgrade for this team, of course, we know it's May the 20th. So generally speaking, historically speaking, it is tough to find those kind of trade pieces that are available this time of year. Might have to wait a bit longer. Might have to see what you can do in the meantime. 
I see another text here from Bill in Brampton. And now I know Arden knows the answer to this question, Ben, because I swear I have not heard him talk about a player more this year than this guy. So Bill wants to know, what have you heard about 22-year-old reliever Adrian Hernandez in Buffalo? And I know Arden is a big fan of Adrian. I'm not sure if you have the Adrian Hernandez rundown, but uh, I have seen, I feel like I've seen a lot of hype around Mr. Hernandez down in the down in the Bison's organization. Well, that sounds like a great topic for Arden tomorrow. I do not want to <laughs> okay, uh, get in his way. I, you know, I, I'll borrow a line from John Gibbons here, who used to always say when he was asked about someone at AAA that he didn't necessarily have the <laughs> latest scouting reports on, he would say, I'm focused on the 26 guys here. And so I'm going to borrow that. I'm going to say, I, I'm going to leave that one to Arden. That's uh, that's uh, his territory, and uh, I, 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 I don't know. I, uh, let's... let's uh, keep our ears open on that one. <laughs> Alright, we'll ask Arden that tomorrow. Uh, speaking of the Bisons also, we had gotten that question about runners in scoring position earlier. The Bisons won 2-0 today. I believe it was against the Syracuse Mets in the uh, in minor league baseball. And uh, Jordan Groshans is now hitting, get this, 458 with runners in scoring position. That is, I mean, I don't know if he's going to play for the Blue Jays ever. He might not, especially because I think a lot of people view him as a third baseman. And I mean, Matt Chapman is there. If Chapman is not there, it's probably Espinal if they're moving guys around, right? So so I don't know if, if Groshans has a long-term place in this organization as one of the higher-ranked prospects, but hitting hitting above 450 with runners in scoring position, even in the minors, is very impressive. That's great. That's a great sign. I mean, you love to see that if you're the Blue Jays trying to get your hitters uh, that, that great uh, experience in pressure situations because there's really nothing like it, right? In the major leagues, you get 30,000 fans, in this case tonight, 29,300, and there's a lot of pressure in those situations. So you can deliver big spots in the minors. That is a great step toward producing in the majors. Ben, before we go, and this has been a lot of fun doing this uh, Jays Talk edition with you, what are you expecting out of Alec Manoa tomorrow? Because he has quickly become one of the most important pitchers in this organization. Frontline pitcher, I expect frontline results. I think six innings, I think two or fewer runs. He has been consistent all year. I expect the same tomorrow. That is Ben Nicholson-Smith. Ben, this was a lot of fun, man. Hopefully we can do it again soon. Show, it was awesome. Look forward to being back soon. It's been fun. That is Ben Nicholson-Smith from Sportsnet.ca and, of course, the terrific At The Letters podcast. I'm Show Ali. Thank you for listening to Blue Jays baseball served up by the always game-ready Jack Links Meets Next. Feature wild side baseball fans. Jays win it 2-1 to over the Reds. Hunter Green takes on Alec Manoa tomorrow. That's going to be a fun one. From all of us here at Jays Talk, for Ben, for Tom, we'll talk to you then.